And we'll be in chapter number 6 tonight. Psalms chapter number 6. And uh, we'll be looking at a psalm that David wrote. uh, A song actually that he wrote. And uh, you can see there in the heading that it's written to the chief musician uh, to be sung with uh, stringed instruments. And with a, he gets really specific here. He says an eight-string harp. Now, what an eight-string harp is, that could be some type of guitar. We don't know which one, of if it's actually a harp or if it's maybe a guitar or a violin or something like that. But it's an eight, we do know it had eight strings. So, so, uh, so that's interesting. And it's a psalm of David. And uh, it, the psalm starts out, uh, it's sort of a song of, of humiliation. I mean, David gets before the Lord and, and uh, he, 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 he's, he's in a tough situation and he's been brought down really low. Now, we don't know exactly what incident this was. Some of the psalms actually tell us uh, what's going on in, in David's life at that particular point. We don't know for sure here. I mean, this could, he could have wrote this when Absalom had... Uh, rebelled and his own son had rebelled against him and taken his throne and was chased him out into the wilderness and was mounting up an army to kill him. That could have been the time in which he wrote this. He could have wrote it, I think more than likely he wrote it when Saul was chasing him uh, before he became king. And uh, I mean, he had, been, he had been on the run for several years at this point is what I believe. And, and that's a setting that we get. And, and uh, he's pretty weary of running from Saul and he's he's he understands that he's a sinner he understands that that whatever God brings his way he deserves it he understands the sovereignty of God but but uh, he's weary of it and he's tired of it and he's asking God to put the brakes on and take him out of this trial and and uh, put him in a much better situation and uh, that's that's, that's his prayer. Now, he's going to end up on a high note in this psalm because he's going to come to the conclusion that, that God is going to take care of him. He might not take care of him right away, but God is going to take care of him. And as believers, we, we should always come to that conclusion. I mean, we know that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And, and if, we, if we really believe that and we hang in there, we'll see that actually happen. And David knows that's going to happen. But, but it starts out pretty pretty bleak. It seems to be pretty bleak in his soul. And, and uh, listen to what he says beginning in verse number one. He says, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. So here David is in Psalm number six, and he's in trouble. Uh, he's backed into a corner, uh, and he realizes that God in his sovereign will, has placed him in that position that he's in. And so he's not complaining. Uh, uh, One of the things he's not doing, he's not demanding that God treat him fairly. Uh, Don't ever demand that, because if God gives us what we deserve, it's going to be a lot worse than what we're getting. So so he doesn't demand that. I think he realizes that, that he's in trouble, and that he deserves to be in trouble. And so he's pleading with the Lord. He says, oh, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. And so I've done, he, he's, he did something wrong. He knows he's done something wrong. It might be some intentional sin that David did that, that he just 
you know, he did something uh, that he knew the Lord didn't like and, and he knows he's paying a price for that. It might be that he's neglected his relationship with the Lord. Uh, he's neglected maybe helping somebody, some kind of sin of neglect. Uh, it might not be an intentional sin at all. I mean, David, as much as anybody, and as great of a man as he was, a man after God's own heart, he knew that he was a sinner. And he had a contrite spirit, and that was a, that's what made him really a man after God's own heart was the fact that he humbled himself before the Lord. He never thought of himself as self-righteous. He knew that his righteousness came from the Lord. And so, so there's a lesson there for us. I mean, none of us uh, have a right to ever complain to, to God about the way we're being treated in life, especially as born-again believers, because the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what's the wages of sin? The wages of sin is death. And so what we really deserve is death. But God doesn't give us death, but he does give us trouble sometimes, or he allows troubles in, into our life to, to discipline us, just as he's doing uh, uh, with David right here. You know, when I was growing up, uh, my dad was a military man, and he also was a very strong Christian, and so that was kind of a double whammy. That meant he was a really strong disciplinarian. And whenever my dad said, go to the room, you're about to get spanked, I didn't say, whoa, dad, I didn't do it. But I didn't even, I mean, I'd done so many bad things that, that you know, I didn't get as many spanks as I should have gotten. So I never said, dad, hey, you're not treating me fairly. I, I, first of all, I didn't, I didn't, my dad didn't give me a chance to dialogue with him on these kind of things. When he said, you're going to get a spanking, you were going to go get a spanking. And so, so uh, I knew that, hey, I deserve the spanking. And uh, so when, I, when my dad got ready to spank me, what I did, I didn't plead with my dad for justice. I pleaded with my dad for mercy. And that's exactly what David's doing with his dad, his father in heaven right here. He's pleading with God for mercy. He knows we don't know what the sin is. He might not even know what the sin is. He knew he was a sinner. And he knew he deserved to be punished, so he pleads with God for mercy. And so he says in verse number two, he says, Have mercy on me. Oh, Lord, for I am weak. Uh, I mean, here's one of the strongest men who ever lived. I mean, he had slain Goliath. But in the presence of God, he understood that he was weak. And, he under, and this trial had reached a point in his life where, where it was making him feel even weaker. He says, oh, Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. I mean, I don't know about you, but, but you know, when I'm in a really difficult trial... Uh, uh, in a really bad place, I mean, I lose strength. I mean, I feel it down in my bones. I feel weak down in my bones. And, and at that point, hey, that's not such a bad place to be because at that point, you're really broken and you realize where your strength comes, that your strength comes from the Lord. And, and David understood that, certainly understood that. You can see that in this psalm. And so, so he doesn't come to God in his own marriage. He doesn't come to God demanding justice. He comes to God asking for mercy. And, and he's at a good place because he's going to get that mercy. Look at verse number three. He says, my soul is also greatly troubled. What he means by that, his soul is vexed. It, 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 you could put it this way. He, he was at the end of his rope. He's, and, and he says, but you, O Lord, and then he stops. I like that. He just stops. And then he says, how long? How long? Have you ever said that to the Lord? How long? How long, Lord, before you deliver me? 
How long is this trial going to go on before, before uh, I'm, I'm back to feeling good about myself and forget, feeling good about my situation? I was talking a while back with a couple of people uh, here in the church, and we were talking about how time seems to play tricks on your mind. God can take a situation, and he can make it last as long as he wants it to last. Now, to you, it, in earth time, it might be a day, but I guarantee you, he can make it seem like much more than a day. You know, the Bible says our life is like a vapor. I mean, it goes by just like that, and that's true in one sense. And when things are going really good, it really goes by like a vapor. But I'll tell you what, when things get really bad, it seems to go on forever. I mean, it seems to, I mean, you get in a difficult trial and it seems to never end. I've shared with you before, but I spent seven days in jail uh, the year that I got saved, uh, about six months before I got saved. And I am telling you, it was like seven years. I mean, seven days didn't seem, doesn't seem like a very long time, but in that jail, I can still go back. I remember just watching the minutes go by, and it seemed like it was taking forever for me to get out of that jail. And I did a lot of thinking and a lot of reflecting back there then, and it had a lot to do with my salvation experience because I really had a chance to, to take an inventory where my life was at that point, and God just left me there to, to ponder that for a while. And it was seven days in earth time, but in, it seemed like an eternity. I can still go back and think about how long that seemed. And I mean, I, could, I, I, I can hear David now. He's in the same situation. He's not in jail, but he's got somebody hunting him down. And it's been a couple of years. Well, a couple of years goes by like that, doesn't it? But when you're in trouble, it doesn't go by like that. And so he says, but you, O Lord, he's about to praise the Lord and say, you know, Lord, you're merciful in all of this. He says, he stops and he says, how long? How long am I going to be in this trial? Is it going to go on forever? And then he, 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 here's, here's where his heart is. Look at verse number four. He says, return, O Lord. Return, O Lord. Deliver me. O save me for, not because I deserve it, Lord, but for your mercy's sake. Please end this trial. Save me, Lord. Now, the Lord never leaves or forsakes his own, never. And so when David says return, uh, he's operating off of his feelings. It seems like the Lord had deserted him. You ever feel like at times the Lord's deserted you? Well, that's the way David felt. I mean, when we're drowning in troubles and, and, and what we need the most is to get a word from the Lord, it seems we can't get a word from the Lord. It seems like... I mean, like, Lord, where have you gone? Well, we, that's, that's where faith kicks in. And you gotta, we got to say to ourselves, the Lord will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And, and we got to live by faith. And I think, uh, and I know that's what God was working in, in David's life to some degree at this point, because David was being prepared to be the king of Israel. And he was going to need patience. And more than anything else, he was going to need faith. And so God was working on his faith. And, and David's saying how long, and it seems as if the Lord's gone, but the Lord, the Lord was with him every minute of that journey that he was on when he was running from Saul. So, so uh, he was going to be delivered. Uh, now, you look at that verse, you look back at that verse, and it's also got some 
prophetic implications, doesn't it? Because it's kind of like the situation we're in right now. And we're living in this wicked world. And, and uh, it's as if, it's as if uh, you know, we cry out, hey, return, O Lord, return, Jesus Christ. Maranatha, deliver us and save us for your mercy's sake. When Christ comes back to this earth, it won't be because we deserve it. It'll simply be because of his mercy. And so, so there's some prophetic, a prophetic word there too. Then in verse number five, listen to what he says. He says, for in death, now he's going he's to plead his case based upon his value. What's our value to the Lord? Our value to the Lord is simply to, to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord by being grateful to the Lord. Bless the Lord by praising the Lord. And, and so David, David knows that. So listen to what he says in verse number five. He says, for in death, there is no remembrance of you. Uh, in the grave, who's going to show any gratitude? Who's going to give you thanks? So what David is basically saying here is, uh, what good am I to you if, if I'm in the grave? I mean, nobody can praise you in the grave. I'm he didn't say this to the Lord, but he realized that he was the great. I don't know if he realized it at that point, but he's he's been a lot of time writing these psalms. So he, he, he was known as the great psalmist of Israel. And so the great songwriter of Israel. So, Lord, how am I going to write these songs? How am I going to, you know, lead uh, people in worship? Give these give these songs for people to sing. How am I going to be this influence? How am I going to give you thanks if I'm in the grave? And, and I think. Hey, there's a, a lesson there. I think sometimes to a certain degree, the length of our life is determined by what value we present or give to the Lord. What value are we to the Lord? I mean, uh, if we're giving God glory by the way we're living our lives, if uh, we're serving the Lord, if we're ministering uh, to others on behalf of the Lord. Uh, we talked about that Sunday, you know, ministry is, is simply telling people to come. To come. Any who thirst, you come. That's our ministry. We've been given a ministry of reconciliation. Every Christian's been given that ministry of reconciliation. And if we're operating in those gifts that God has given us, then we are vessels of gold and silver and not vessels of clay and not vessels of dishonor. Uh, if, if we're living for this world and we're living in sin, then, then we don't bring honor to the Lord. And, and, and it might shorten our lives. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how God works exactly on that, but, but I've, I've seen some cases that make me wonder. I knew a man one time who, who was, he, he was just about 60 years old and he had made a lot of money. But in the process of making that money, he had given a lot of money to the church and he had served faithfully in the church. He was a faithful father, uh, worked in several ministries, uh, did a lot of good things. And he turned 60 and he says, I'm done. He says, I'm going to buy me a, you know, a camper. And he went out and he bought him a camper, paid about a half a million dollars for it. And he said, I'm just going to live for myself the rest of my years. And, and I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to go out in this camper and I'm going to see the United States and I'm going to go to Europe and vacation and do all these kind of things with some of the money I've got. And I'm going I'm to live for myself the rest of my life. One big problem. He died of a massive heart attack before he ever drove the camper out of his, out of his yard. So, so, you know, I've always, I, every time I think about 
quitting and retiring, <laughs> I think about that particular person. I'm not going to say who it is. I think about that particular person. I think, well, you might have to stay busy here for a while. So, uh, and not live out my years for myself. Listen, to, he goes on, and you hear his heart in verse number six. He says, I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my head bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. My eyes, my eye wastes away because of grief. It grows old because of all of my enemies. I mean, David had to be in a pretty bad place to say all of that right there. I mean, and he's been there for a while. He says, I'm weary with my groaning. Uh, I mean, I mean, he had been chased by Saul for, for a couple of years at this point, and he's, he's been removed from all his family and all his friends, and he's hanging out with a bunch of outlaws. You know, it had to be pretty tough, living in caves or in huts, and, and uh, you know, just wondering, what's going on in my life? I mean, you remember as a young boy, he was anointed to be king of Israel, and he had that vision of being king, and here he is, and he's grown weary and running from Saul, and and, and he's, I think at this point he's, he's just about given up because he's, he says, my eye wastes away. And I think, you know, you, that might refer to the, the tears wasting away his eyes, but I don't think that's what it means right there. I think he's referring to his vision. He can't see anymore. He can't see the, the hope. He can't see his vision ever being fulfilled. I mean, it's as if he's lost all hope because uh, he's in this real tough time and and uh, he's growing old fast, and, and uh, his vision is getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer, and he's wondering if he'll ever will be king of Israel. And I think there's times in our lives when, when it feels like we're not accomplishing anything for the kingdom of God, and maybe God's given us a vision, and, and uh, the years are wasting away, and we're wondering, what in the world is God doing? I mean, uh, uh, everything we seem to be doing is nothing more than vanity. It has no purpose. And, and uh, I, mean, I, I mean, wandering around in the wilderness, if I was David, I would say, what purpose is there in this? I mean, you've called me to be king of Israel. I mean, and you've got me hiding in caves and living out in the wilderness. I mean, what, what purpose is that? That's nothing more than vanity. But God used that experience, just like whatever experience you might be going through now. God will use that experience uh, to prepare you for something, uh, I don't want to say necessarily big, but something that he has planned for you to do for his kingdom. I mean, look at Joseph. Joseph spent uh, 13 years in, in, uh, in, as a slave and as a prisoner. But in the end, where did he end up? He ended up second in command over, over all of Egypt. And, and he saved the tribe of Israel, uh, which became the tribe that brought forth the Messiah. And we know the rest of that story. So, so he had a very important role to play, and God, God prepared him for that role through his trials. And that's what's happening to David right here. But I think it's, I think it's interesting to hear his heart and how he felt. I mean, he didn't say, oh, I don't have to worry about this. I'm going to be king of Israel one day. No, at this point, he, his eyes are weary. I mean, his eyes are, uh, are wasting away because of his grief. He doesn't see any hope for any deliverance. But then he, David does something here that he does on several occasions. You remember when, when uh, the Amalekites had, had attacked his compound in Ziglag and they had uh, burned down their homes and, and uh, taken away their wives and taken away their children and David and the, his soldiers returned and they see the smoke rising from their village 
and they get to the village and it, all their children are gone and their wives are gone and the soldiers are ready to stone David. Now, it can't get any worse than that. And what did David do? You remember? It's, the Bible is real clear. He went and he strengthened himself in the Lord. I, I mean, whenever things are really bad, that's the solution. Not necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get yourself out of those circumstances. But the solution to finding peace in whatever situation you're in is to strengthen yourself in the Lord. And that's exactly what David does. Listen, listen, listen how he does this in verse, verses 8 and 9. He says, Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. Now, I don't think he's been delivered at this point. But he says, hey, you might want to move out of my way because the Lord has heard my cry and he's going to act on my behalf. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Now that's faith. David was a man of faith. Maybe he won't receive it today. Maybe he won't receive it tomorrow. Maybe he won't receive it this year. But one day, hey, he hear, I know he's heard my prayer and he's going to act on my prayer. And I'm not going to give up. Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 12, he says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Well, David started out this psalm saying that he had done evil. You know, that he basically admitted that, that, that the Lord had a right to chastise him and to chasten him. But the Lord also knew that by faith, in faith, that he was a righteous man, that God had made him righteous through those sacrifices that pointed to Jesus Christ. He knew that he was a righteous man. And so he knew that the eyes of the Lord were on him and the ears of the Lord were open to his prayers. And so he, by faith, knew that the Lord had received his prayers and that, hey, he says, you enemies of mine, you better get out of my way because the Lord's heard my prayer and I believe that the Lord at some point is going to act on my behalf. And so listen to what he says in verse number 10, and we'll finish up there. He says, let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. That's what's going to happen to you, my enemies. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. David knew at some point that the Lord was going to turn the tables, that he was going to turn the tables on the top of the heads of his enemies. And they were going to have, they had brought him trouble, but their troubles were going to be much worse than his trouble. And you look at what happened to Saul and David, Absalom and all of David's enemies. You know, that, every single one of them that came against David, every single one of them, they had much more trouble in the end than David ever thought about having. I mean, look at Saul's demise. I mean, he was up on Mount Geboa and, and, and being shot with arrows and had to virtually kill himself with a sword and maybe he was finished off by an Amalekite. David died in bed. That's where David died. And so, so, the, the, so uh, his enemies were ashamed and greatly troubled. You look at what happened to Absalom and he was, he was you know, thrust through with a spear. And so, uh, you know, he's, just as David says here, all my enemies will be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. Because when the wicked fall, they don't get back up. 
But the Proverbs say that a righteous man may fall seven times, which is the complete number. That means every time. And he always gets back up. Why does he get back up? Because his faith is in the Lord. Why did David get back up? And why does David end this psalm with a, with a, on a positive note? He hasn't given up because his faith and trust are in the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in, in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for, for the encouragement here for all of us. Because all of us, Lord, at times are going through some difficult things. And Lord, it seems that, that you're nowhere to be found. Uh, but we know, Lord, that, that uh, you never leave us or forsake us. We know, Lord, that, that uh, in the end, you're going to return. We're going to know you're there. And all the trouble that, that we're having, uh, Lord, you're going to take care of that and you're going to put that trouble on our enemies instead of it being on us. Father, we just thank you for the hope we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you that we're made righteous through his blood uh, so that we do have your ear, Lord, so that we do have your eye. You see, your eyes are upon us, Lord, and you, you hear all of our prayers. And we just thank you for that and we're encouraged by that. Uh, and, and, and Lord, we... we we know you work in our lives in the same way you worked in David's life, and we can be encouraged with that too. And all of that comes through uh, the, the blood of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. We thank you for him. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.